Welcome to episode 35 of the Web Show Show, Twistage. I'm Josh Owens. And I'm Chris Saylor. The Web 2.0 Show profiles the hottest people behind the latest technologies. <laughs> this week we'll be interviewing David Wadler from Twistage. Welcome to the hey show, guys. David. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for thank you for for hottest. I hope I live up to the billing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now this is uh, take two because apparently I I can't record right the first time. That's <laughs> okay. So uh, all, all comes out getting recorded. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about uh, twistage and and what exactly it is. So uh, I'll never do this as as cleanly and as articulately as I did the first time. But uh, here goes nothing. So <coughs> the twistage is, is sort of the result of uh, a few years of, of tinkering around with different ideas. And by tinkering, I mean quitting our full-time jobs and working full-time for no pay. Um, that's kind of tinkering. Uh, started out, we actually built software um, with a client, and it was a distributed, um, or I would say a grid-based distribution system, uh, not unlike Contiki or, or Red Swoosh. I think those are probably the two big guys in the market. And we thought video was a natural application, so we started building that in, and we had a nice web interface, even though the client ran in the background. And uh, we we sort of had a, a YouTube on steroids, and this was before YouTube, and uh, before there was actually much in the way of, of you know user-generated video content. And I went out and I shopped the idea around, and I really just did not have much luck convincing people that there'd be an appetite for. Uh, UGC video, but you know we remained convinced, and <coughs> we realized that the problem was probably uh, you know a little bit that we're ahead of the market, and a little bit that we really just don't know how to do a B two C play. <laughs> so <laughs> we took what we had and we uh, wrapped it up as a B two B business, and basically built a roll your own YouTube. And uh, at, at around the time YouTube started getting hot, things really changed for us, and uh, kind of you know here we are. Uh, funded and you know growing and with customers and revenues and you know it's pretty exciting stuff. So how does your service actually work? Uh, the service is <coughs> it's fairly turnkey. Um, you know you can do an integration in about a half an hour. It does require some code, not much, uh, and to the extent that we can eliminate it altogether, uh, we're going to. Um, but there's a you know there's a trade-off. You're going to write a little bit of code. You're going to get a lot of customizability. Um, but basically, video is a really nasty, obnoxious beast. You know, it's cumbersome. The files are large. Um, they're not self-describing like text, so metadata becomes very important. Uh, you have lots of issues with formats, although you know, Flash has seemed to uh, come to the rescue there. But your input formats are generally not Flash. They're AVI or Windows Media or Ogforbis or any number of things. And... Um, what we realize is that this is a very annoying and expensive problem for companies. So we basically allow them to focus on what they do best, which is market their product or their service or what have you, and we just take the video problem away. So they do this integration, and uh, they can seamlessly integrate the Twistage experience into their website. And this could be user-generated content, premium content, um, sort of any, any, any sort of video stuff you want. Uh, most of the people we're talking to or, or who are using the site are using Flash video. Um, you know, moving forward, we are actually already support Windows Media and QuickTime and some other stuff. 
as an output format um, hasn't really caught on yet, but uh, you know, we'll see where things go in the future. So is there a cost to get started with your, with your service or your product? We, yeah, we, we don't charge anybody uh, any money for installing it and configuring it and you know, trying it out, small, you know, closed beta or whatever. You know, we'll let you do it. We'll support your you know, integration efforts. Um, by the way, once you're done with the integration, which is you know, very, very quick and easy, uh, the second thing companies tend to do is theme. Uh, there's zero brand intrusion. Um, so you can stick your logo all over the place, your colors, uh, your text, your everything. Uh, so it really just becomes an extension of your existing brand, an extension of your existing website. Um, so yeah, they get, they get started, and uh, from the time they go live, uh, that's when they start paying. And uh, we have basically, it's not unlike a cell phone company, uh, you kind of opt into a certain amount of usage, and then uh, there are overages, and obviously the more you're willing to pre-commit to, uh, the lower your per unit cost is going to be, and the lower the overages go. And so we have sort of customers on the bottom end, and you know, increasingly customers who are, who are using a lot more uh, of our service. Um, so it sounds like you have a pretty large range of people, but who is your target audience? It, it's, it's difficult for me to say, and, and this is you know frustrating for me uh, to go and, and you know talk to, especially when I'm raising money, uh, and ask who the target audience is. I, I think that we're probably getting the largest inquiries from customers who are in the in the in the UGC space. So you know, rather than doing a YouTube, people are doing sort of a customized um, interest or niche site. Uh, I have an interest in, I don't know, macrame. And so there's macrame blogs and macrame photos, and all that stuff is sort of fairly well-defined. Um, and then they say, well, I want to have, you know, people uploading videos themselves doing macrame. And they call us, and they say, can you do this for me? And, uh, you know, sure enough, we can. Um, I, so I think that's probably the number one kind of inquiry I get. In, in around two weeks, we're going to have a pretty significant announcement um, we've done a deal with a content syndication company, and we're go- they're building the video part of their business on our platform, and uh, so that's pretty exciting for us. And that's not UGC; it's all you know, premium, uh, professionally generated content, uh, primarily from you know, news organizations. And uh, so that, I, where are we now? The twenty-first, <coughs> uh, first or second week of April, we'll be announcing that. But uh, for now, I'm under NDA. No. You're, you're saying UGC, right? User-generated content. This, comp- this company is not UGC, uh, yes. But with the other stuff I was talking about, the UGC means user-generated, yes. This, this company is all sort of premium. Um, so we, that's what I'm trying to say. We're, you know, s- similarly, with the, on the usage side, we see you know, small, really narrow sites. Actually, dinner tonight with somebody who's like, well, I have about 1,000 people a month who want to view two pieces of content. I don't know anything about you know, a web program. Can you do this? And Absolutely. And then, you know, on the other end, we'll, we'll deal with people who have, you know, millions of users and, you know, millions of pieces of content. So, do you guys feel like you're the only company in this space? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you don't think that there's a lot in the video space, but how do you think you guys differ from, from your rivals, I guess? <laughs> I, th- I think that, you know, there are, you know, I think Brightcove is obviously the 800-pound the gorilla in our space. Um, I've been happy to get some of their former customers, now former customers, 
but that actually, you know, I think that we're largely complementary. We have we do have a company that was using us in in parallel with Brightco for a while, although they eventually just left Brightco altogether. But uh, you know, we we don't offer all things to all people, and they do. Um, but what we offer, I think, we're sort of one level lower on the stack. Um, if, if you think of an application stack, you know they're going to sell your advertising for you. They're going to help you with their content syndication. Uh, their integration process is really, really easy. And I think what you give up a little bit is the seamlessness of the integration. Uh, I think it's you know a bit less customizable. Um, and you know obviously they they put their brand everywhere. Um, so you know fundamentally. I think that in a lot of cases, you know, we'll go right up against them and, and be very competitive. Uh, in other cases, excuse me, um, with a content syndication company, for example, um, the fact that they can interact with us on such a low level, really just on an API level, um, they don't even necessarily need to use any of our widgets, our visible widgets. Um, they can just basically use all the APIs and treat our app, our application as sort of like a, a video operating system, as it were. And I, I don't know if anybody else is really doing specifically that, but there's certainly other people doing B2B video. Well, now, I mean, obviously, since this is a white-label product, um, you're not going to get the network effects from, like, okay, I can grab a YouTube video, put it on my website, and it clearly is, you know, people know it's a YouTube video. Um, so how do you attract new clients, then? Um, I, you know, so far, <laughs> we if you if you look at our website, you'll you'll see it's uh, pretty pretty unattractive. Uh, I take full credit, or <laughs> maybe the word should be responsibility for that. Uh, we were outed uh, in an article that ran on GigaOM probably in early January, and it, that article ran a little bit before we wanted it to. But it's fine. You know, it's good press, and and you you can't really choose. This is a startup. Everything happens in parallel. Uh, you know, we have engaged the branding company as actually shortly after that, and we're going to have you know a logo and corporate ID and a, and a much more visually appealing website. The the sort of certainly the corporate message is lagging far far behind the you know the strength of the technology at this point. Uh, despite that, we've been you know I'm getting regular calls um, from word of mouth. Uh, in addition, you know, our investors have made a few introductions. The content syndicator uh, that came through an investor of ours who also has an investment in, in that company and sort of made a nice marriage. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of come everywhere. We have not really been proactive to this point about marketing because, again, look at the website. I, <laughs> it doesn't make my job any easier. But uh, hopefully in the, in the coming weeks, uh, we're going to start getting more aggressive. We are looking to hire people right now um, yeah. in a sales and marketing capacity. Yeah, I, I was actually, the reason I lost my train of thought earlier is because uh, the uh, guest host from the last episode we did, he was chatting to me on IM, and he's like, yeah, tell these guys I'm finding a lot better information out about them on blogs than I am on their, their own website. But uh, Yeah. <laughs> he definitely thinks I, if you improve your website, you, you'd probably see quite a sales increase. I, th- I think that's the case. So, you know, we, we definitely we spent a lot of money on it, and at this point, it's sort of just a matter of time. One of the things we want to do, the website will have to take two more iterations. One will be sort of a more aesthetically pleasing placeholder, 
And then ultimately, we're going to have a website that has video on it, uh, which kind of makes a little bit of sense if you think of how it's a video company. Um, I think there's really no way we can't have it. Um, so, you know, those scripts have been written, and we're, uh, you know, we're going to be shooting them hopefully in the next, in the next few weeks. But production time is... Uh, it's an issue. Right. I mean, it just it's going to just take a little bit of time to get everything done. Although, you know, fortunately, I'm in New York, so there are a lot of struggling actors we can <laughs> we can leverage here. Yeah. <laughs> Easier than Cincinnati, <laughs> I'm sure. So, do you guys have a, a content distribution network, or how how are you hosting all these videos? Did you build something yourself, or use a pre-built one like Limelight? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we we actually built our own. And uh, it, it was plugged perfectly into our grid delivery system. And even when we stopped sort of imposing that system and the installation of a client on people, we continued to use it. And we, we made a decision that if we kind of kept going down that path, um, although the machine cost, it, it went run really efficiently and the machine cost would be, you know, fairly small, we were going to end up building a giant data center and staffing that data center and... We decided, really, that's that's not our business. So, um, actually, Limelight called me yesterday. I'm, I, we've been talking. Um, we have a we have, we're talking to Panther, which is another one here in New York, and another one called Voxel, V-O-X-E-L. Um, and so, we're going to be leveraging definitely a, a third-party CDN or multiple third-party CDNs, and allowing to some extent customers to choose. Um, if, for example, you're doing a lot of business in Asia. Uh, it might not make sense for you to have a CDN that only has points of presence in the United States. But we don't want you to worry about that. We just want to be able to tell you, look, you know, you pay your bill, we'll make sure that you know, we, have a, we have caching servers in Asia for you. And uh, so we're going to make that all transparent for people. Yeah. Have you heard of Coral? Have I heard of I have not. Uh, Coral is actually an open source uh, content distribution network. Um, they have one running, and I believe it has like a 50 megabyte limit but you can download the software and set it up on your own servers. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That is kind of nice. But I, their their limitation is the file size per day. Like, you can only push... I thought it was higher than that, maybe 100 megs per day per well, file. That's only if you use their existing Coral network. Right. But you can download the software and install it on your own servers, and then you're only limited to your you know, your hosting companies, uh, wherever your co-location facility is bandwidth. Right. So. Yeah, so but you, basically... But we we probably we built something that was probably not dissimilar to Coral. We built it ourselves. Look, I mean, I'm not writing code anymore, but um, you know, when we started the company, I was, and uh, little by little, all of my contributions are being replaced as we improve upon things, <laughs> and you know, my my DNA is, is slowly being ripped out of the of the of the code. It, it was not an easy decision we made to to walk away from you know using our own CDN. But fundamentally, you know, it sounds similar to Coral. You know, we got co-load machines and data centers, and we were, you know, basically deploying our CDN. It was very easy to bring it up. Um, you know, uh, the machine would sort of know how to auto-populate itself with the right content. It would load balance. It would do all these great things. But fundamentally, if you have, you know, a thousand machines, that means you have a thousand logins, <laughs> you have yeah. a thousand drives that can die, a thousand other things that can happen. And uh, we decided that that's not a business that we wanted to be in. And ultimately, since it's not really what we're good at, um, the software part of it we're really good at, uh, the hardware part less so, 
that it probably made sense just to leverage somebody else's technology. And so that's that's what we're doing. Um, we're, now, I will tell you that uh, we're probably going to be using the CDN in a non-traditional way. Um, but, you know, having said that, we are leveraging pre-existing infrastructure. Yeah. Cool. Are you guys looking at S3? We are using S3. No? That's, yes, no. but we're, we're not using it as strictly as a CDN. It's sort of a backup CDN uh. for us. And, uh, and in addition, we're you know, using it for some long-term storage stuff. Um, so you know, we have a kind of a, you know, the, <laughs> you know, we were talking to you know, one of these CDN providers and we told them what we were doing and they're like, that is really interesting. We've never thought of anybody could do, like, do something like that. And um, you know, we're kind of trying to figure out how to make it all work without uh, making anybody do too much work to make it happen. But we do have it, we do have it working now. Um, it's just, I don't know, I don't know if every CDN will be as simple as plug and play. But that, again, that's on us to figure out and we'll make it work, and our customers will never have to worry about this. So how are you going to cope with um, copyright violations? I mean, in, in the face of this, the, the, the YouTube Viacom lawsuit that just recently happened, um, I, was, you know, I was on your website, of course, mm-hmm. prepping for the show, and I noticed that you're going to actually offer the ability to um, scrub videos and prevent them from being uploaded again. Yeah, so we, we do have a way of whitelisting and blacklisting. I think, you know, ultimately... Um, well, I had a meeting today with a customer, and they asked about you know how we can lock down content. And I said, well, you know, if you want to, you can let people take your content and post it in their blog, you know, by copying two lines of HTML and dropping it in. I said, or you know, you could lock it down by IP, or you know, we give you an authentication key. So you know, there's you know, we can lock the door and then deadbolt it if you wanted to. But fundamentally. If people want to pirate stuff, they're going to. And if people, you know, go to your website legally, go to your website, pay for the content, and then they, you know, basically screen, you know, screencast the whole thing to, you know, to, to the rest of the world, they're going to do that. As far as managing that, um, there's there's some interesting commercial solutions coming out that analyze video. Um, one I read about, they were able to dub the movie into Chinese and then turn it into black and white and it was still able to identify it. Like, this is still the Matrix. I don't care if it's Chinese and black and white, um, which is kind of cool. But I, I think that these are really... I mean, DVD John cracks, you know, DCSS when he was 15 years old. I, I think that, you know, and Steve Jobs recently said that they're, you know, he'd love to get rid of DRM you know, from the Apple. I think that these end up being less technology issues and more legal issues. And so, to the extent that you know there, there are indemnification provisions, um, I I think that's probably going to be the the most significant thing. Um, certainly, it's it's something we take very very seriously, and I also would argue our reluctance to our reluctance to sort of blindly turn away from people uploading pirated content was one of the reasons that we were never able to really be a successful B two C company. Because as much UGC as there is on YouTube, uh, I think that it got really, you know, real traction in the market because it had Saturday Night Live skits and, you know, all, all sorts of other copyrighted content. So are you guys planning to put anything in place to kind of automatically handle copyright violation complaints or...? Yeah. So that's, that's, stuff, that's just stuff that we are, we're looking at right now. Um, we're currently evaluating um, a couple of options there. 
And in addition, you know, we do have the ability to, on a per-content basis, you know, whitelist and blacklist. Um, it's a little bit of a different challenge for us than it is for YouTube. I, I can't I can't speak to whether it's you know harder or easier, but. At the end of the day, these users who are uploading stuff are not necessarily our customers. Um, if you guys decided that you wanted to use our white label solution, and and your people are you know uploading um, copyrighted content, is that my responsibility or is it yours? Um, so what we're doing is we're g- we're taking all the precautions that we can on our end, and then you know we're hoping that our customers you know take further precautions on their end. And that sort of, between the two of us, we should be able to, uh, to to rein it in to some extent. Well, I think kind of the you know the question really is being poised in the in the Google versus uh, Viacom because of the common carrier status issue. Um, back in the day, Napster they got smacked down because they weren't labeled a common uh, you know a common carrier. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that will be overturned, and in Google and YouTube will be actually be labeled as a common carrier. Yeah, I mean, I, this this is like um, it's really it's it's an interesting place. It's an interesting market to be sort of like like you said. I mean, we're we're kind of witnessing history. And we're watching case law be written. Um, when we were you know getting started, I ended up uh, getting introduced to Wayne Rosso, who was um, famous for Grokster and uh, very very colorful guy, and, and you know he. He talked about the the conversations he would go and have with the record labels, and in, in some cases, you know, the, the look. I, I'm I'm not uh, an advocate of piracy by any means. I, I think anybody who sits down and, and writes code um, that's not open source, and certainly I love open source code. Um, it really, it, it's it's a tremendous irony that a lot of this piracy is created by by. You know, programmers who create tools to make it easy to pirate, because you know, our intellectual property is very important to us, and so obviously we respect everybody else's. Um, but it is, it is interesting because in some ways the record industry, by not em- not embracing piracy to some extent, I think really kind of shot itself in the foot. Uh, I was just going to say that there were there were actually some stats that came out that. Um uh, certain shows on Viacom on NBC, on NBC I guess um, their well their 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 ratings went up. Oh yeah, <laughs> because you know the shows that wouldn't have otherwise got exposure, you know, people found them via YouTube. Yeah, that's what I mean. The TV shows, yeah. It's uh, you're reaching, you know, probably a different audience. It costs you nothing to do it. I, I but you know, I think that fundamentally, you know, the Viacoms of the world are going to make sure that they're compensated. You know. For providing YouTube the content, so it'll it'll be very very interesting to see what happens. I I don't I don't know how much faith I have that you know the the law will be overturned, but uh, certainly you know in this day and age, I mean Napster is sort of if you think of it, it's almost pre broadband. Um, I remember people were using Napster on dial up, and the world is a very very different place now, in, in you know six or seven short years. So it's I think it's time to revisit it. Well, and, and part of that, part of what's happened actually is the is the user generated content. I mean, right now we have Zay Frank as the poster child for you know was, was the poster self was the poster child. Now that the show's done <laughs> um, for user generated content, and it's fantastic. And it's done by him. It's self edited and it's self produced, and it's 
it's really high quality. It's as good as you know anything you can really almost find on TV. Sure. I dare, I dare say better. <laughs> well, and speaking of user generated content, I mean, Magda Condon's got her own little web channel on on ABC. I think she has a development deal with HBO, and the web web is a as a well, we, when we talk internally about the web as a platform, it usually means it's a sort of almost like an operating system. Um, but you know, the web is a platform for independent media. Certainly, it, it's tremendous. Uh, you, I mean, even on television, you don't get access to the anywhere close to the audience that you can reach on the Internet because it doesn't care about territories and boundaries, except in areas where it's locked down in certain countries. Um, but... The whole the whole viral video phenomenon is strictly a function of you know what you can do online. Uh, that you, you just it's, it's impossible on television. Well, the other half that you gain by being online is the interactivity. Um, I mean, part of what made the show so great was was the fact that was Zay was in actually interacting with his with his uh, viewers and and he led actually let them create a show and and produce a show and it was. It's actually all pretty amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, I think actually um, Adam Sandberg, whose biggest contribution on, to online video is probably the pirated Lazy Sunday that was on YouTube and I think it was mm-hmm. for weeks the number one most viewed video. Um, I think he actually, he and his, and his writing partners who also network for Saturday Night Live, they also got started shooting, you know, shorts and uh, they had a website, and they put them on there. And, you know, so even, you know, companies, you know, in television shows, like Lauren Michaels is clearly mining this talent. Uh, NBC is clearly a beneficiary of this. Um, but I do think that there is still a, a good deal of, of uneasiness. Um, I have a, sort of a slightly different viewpoint than many of the people in this business because my wife works in a giant media company. She's an editor at People Magazine. And, um, you know, they, they have to deal with rights issues all the time and everything, all the time, and everything is by the book. And, uh, you know, whether their stuff gets taken, you know, inappropriately, they're, you know, uh, or, you know, do they or do they not have access to this media and can if, you know, they put it in the magazine, can they also stick it online? It's, it's really... You know, YouTube could only have been a startup because any other larger company would have just said, no way, we're not going to do this because we have too big a legal department to allow this to happen. You need sort of this controlled anarchy. Go ahead. It would be an amazing world if everybody just licensed their content under Creative Commons. (laughs) Yes, it would be. It would. Lawyers out of business. Um, Oh, the lawyers will find a way to make money. (laughs) I I think the market would collapse Uh, if we cut the lawyers out of it. Yeah, um, it, you know the interesting thing is, you know, you have to. We still need to figure out a way to compensate the artists. Um, you know, so at the end of the day, you know, all these companies who are, are providing, excuse me, the distribution for this content have a bill, so they're going to need to you know make some money some way. And then the artists, you know, many of them are short. You know, they're either unbelievable narcissists or they're just supremely creative, or they're incredibly bored and have a webcam. Um, but you know, many of these people uh, are going to need to, you know, to, to make money, um, you know, to turn into business. 
and I'm not yet clear myself on what the business model is behind Creative Commons. Well, all I'm suggesting is that uh, that everybody work together. I mean, if you look at like I, like I said before, the the ratings for for Saturday Night Live went up after people were able to view. Oh yeah. The videos online. Well, when so you view you view a snippet of the video online, you then you start watching SNL, and SNL has advertising, and mm-hmm. you know nobody goes hungry. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely yeah. But I was I guess I was thinking if all content were CC, then yeah, who the hell is ever going to pay for advertising? Well, you, but, you yeah. still have with Creative Commons, you still have share like. Is it share like the one that says that basically you can't use it for commercial purposes? Yes, there's that, and then you know, there's some you can modify, and you know you can take this and not modify it. This one you can take and you can change it and sell it and do whatever you want. Right. I, it is a, a wide array. So I actually um, spoke to some IP attorneys um, a, a while ago about Creative Commons, and the interesting thing to me is they had never heard of it. <laughs> and I, you know, I wonder if it's really sort of a, a Web 2.0 phenomenon. You have to be, you know, of a certain demographic, not just you know age-wise, but sort of affinity-wise. Um, you have to have a certain set of interests to even be familiar with it. Well, copyrighters really only come into play for the masses. Ever since the masses have, you know, in recent years, have started producing content by blogging, and right. video blogging, and. No one's cared about this before, <laughs> except the big media companies. Right, or like book publishers, and they always had lawyers yeah. to kind of handle the how-to of it all. But people never really cared, you know, before before now. Sure. Um, yeah, well, I yeah, I mean, I think it's it's kind of funny. I don't know if if uh, you know any companies are going to sue the Chinese government, who you know apparently turn a blind eye to the billions of DVDs that are. You know, pirated while movies, you know, are still in the theater. But then, you, you know, you get a guy like Mark Cuban who says, all right, why don't we just release DVDs right when the movie comes out? You can get them anyway. I agree. Why don't we just, why don't we just create them and sell it and let people consume the content that they want, exactly. the way they want it, how they want it. I'd, I would I probably pay $7, $9 to be able to download it and play it on my HDTV with my Mac Mini hooked up. Yep. And... and I think fundamentally, if you're going to really boil this down, uh, you want to give people choice. And I think if you give everybody choice and you give everybody, everybody freedom and you offer them a better experience, the, you know, the money stuff will get figured out. I, I'm just telling you, I don't know how it's going to figure it out. <laughs> but I'm, I'm pretty confident that if everybody's happy, it will. Um, like, like you said, I mean, you would be willing to, to pay for it. Um, right, and I don't know. I don't know if, how the margin changes compared to a theater, but uh, you know, it's not unlikely that they would be able to reap, you know, a greater margin by serving it to you in your living well, room. Well, actually, I think uh, it, it doesn't matter. All box office sales go directly to the movie companies. the 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 way the theaters make their money is off the the candy and the uh, concessions. Yeah, the concessions. And that's why you pay such outrageous prices when you go. Yeah, well, if you're paying outrageous, oh, outrageous prices for the concessions or outrageous prices to go to the theater. Both. <laughs> oh yeah, I was gonna say you're you're kind of getting screwed both ways. It's a big media company, you know, they're charging you ten dollars fifty cents at least here in New York to go see a movie for two hours, and then um, 
you know, their, uh, the theater is charging you $6 to basically poison you with high fructose corn syrup and trans fats. <laughs> it's, uh, if, you, if you really sort of drill it down to that, you, you wonder why you would ever go to the movies. But I love going to the movies. Yep. All right. Well, whew, we got way off track there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. That's all right. No, you can edit this out, this too. Is a good, no, good conversation. Definitely uh, conversations that need to be had. So, <clears throat> is there anything uh, we haven't covered about Twisted that you want to talk about? Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, well, I mean, super secret. <laughs> yeah, nothing. I mean, I can tell you that <coughs> sort of, you know, the, the company is evolving um, pretty rapidly, and uh, I would say that you know today we are a technology solution. Uh, probably not too many months from now, three months from now. Uh, will also be a business solution, meaning that a lot of the other issues regarding how to monetize your content, um, we're going to be helping companies address those as well. Uh, in addition to saying, look, you know, outsource your technology to us, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make all the video stuff easy. We'll continue to do that, but um, we'll say, we'll make the video stuff easy for you, and if you can't figure out necessarily a way to monetize it, we can probably help you that way too. So that, that stuff is on the near horizon. Um, but first, we're going to do this big, great press release. And I want you guys and anybody else listening to cross your fingers that we at least have some reasonable semblance of a website uh, by the time we make that press release because uh, we're going to get a spike in traffic. And if they look at what we have now, oh, oh I shudder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go stock footage. <laughs> <Some> yeah, <photography. laughs> it's uh, you know again, it, it's not good to have nerds do this stuff. You know, <laughs> I've yeah, I, my wife is pretty. I can <laughs> that's about the extent of my aesthetic sensibility. Though <laughs> we can put you in touch with some fantastic designers. Yes, yes, we can. You know, thank you. Well, we uh, we have we have some fantastic designers now, but uh, okay. well, if you get down to the wire we're, and you only have like a week left and it's still not up, just let us know. We can put something together real quick for you. <laughs> well, you know, anything's uh, well. Actually, I, I was going to say anything's better than what we have, but. Uh, <laughs> You should have seen the site one version back from <laughs> now. I, I I actually did this, and my, my one of my partners goes, "Wow, this is like a C plus." I said, "Are you crazy?" He said, "Well, compared to where we were, it's like a C plus." I said, "Yeah, you know, low expectations. It's, a, it's a, you know, under promise and over delivered." <laughs> In this case, I I under promised and uh, well, I delivered something. <laughs> Well, you're in luck. Uh, the the oldtwistage.com is actually not on archive, so you dodged a bullet. So thank you, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I, I, I'm, I, and this is the scary thing about the internet that you're you were you know just while we're having this conversation, able to look this up. Thank God I'm not dating anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. All right, well, uh, well, cool. Thank you very much for being yeah. on the show, David. Hey, thanks for having me, guys.